1: Welcome to the Tuesday, September 28th edition of the Borderware NFL podcast brought to you by Winbet. I'm Joe Bartle. And unlike most weeks, I am joined by my good friend John mckechnie of the Thursday show, hopping over onto the Tuesday edition uh to talk some waiver wire pickups for me. Obviously, Jake is gone right now, has some personal matters to attend to. So I'm happy that uh John was able to step in today.
2: Uh, it's good to be on with you, Joe. Uh but it's been a while since since we've done a, a pod together. Yes, and yeah. uh uh, that, you know, this is a nice little change of pace. The the Tuesday, the waiver wire, you know, the the, the week uh, that was is still fresh. You know, we got the Monday nighter mm-hmm. to talk about, a lot to get into there. And, and um, yeah, the, the the waiver wire situation, I feel like, through the first couple of weeks has been a little bit strange this year compared to others. Yeah. I feel like we, we've had less of those league-changing type of pickups. I guess we'll, we'll see what happens with, with Chuba Hubbard and, of course, the, the McCaffrey injury, however long he's out. But, yeah, it doesn't feel like they're – like, even Elijah Mitchell a couple weeks ago was kind of just inflated, right? Like, you know, if he's drawn 60%, 65% of someone's fab budget, it's just because it, it felt like there was no one else out there. So it, you just kind of had to splash the pot on, on him specifically. That's yeah. obviously not aging super well. But, but yeah, I just feel like in general we've been uh, – kind of handed it an interesting assortment of free agent pickups uh, of varying levels of usefulness so far.
1: You've you foreshadowed what's going to be the main topic for today. Obviously, Chuba Hubbard and what you're want to spend from a Fab budget perspective or waiver wire priority. I think Elijah Mitchell was a top pickup for a reason, and maybe some people had some uh, premature fabulation uh, happening on, on with that. And obviously, the injuries and stuff impact. Have you said that too. before? Is, is I is had to it? really say it slowly to not make a difficult, But that's the first <laughs> time I said premature fabulate. Uh, fabulate, yeah.
2: I don't, I don't know, know if that's, that's better or worse than what Eli did on national TV last night with the, the double finger salute, <laughs> the double birds.
1: <laughs> that was great. And and honestly, that's a, that's a good uh, leaping point to at least the Monday night game, which was more or less a laugher. Obviously the Cowboys dominate from beginning to end. I think the final score is 34, 14. I'll be honest, John, when I say I watched this game sparingly, it's the truth. I, And we've talked about a lot with uh, Jake on the show as well, too. New father, uh, my son, a little bit sick the past two weeks and has been, uh, you know, yesterday, too, had a cold. Like before was RSV, which is a different thing. Hopefully nobody out there listening has to know what that means because I'm not going to be medical doctor you uh, right now. But a little bit of a cold. So we were like taking care of him and I'm like passively watching in the background up. And this is the first time I watched the Manning broadcast as well, too but he can't have it on loud because he's trying to sleep. So I can only Mm -hmm. hear like half the things they're saying. It was a little bit of a mess. So when I say I I didn't watch as much as I could have, I think it's okay because it was more or less a blowout in this contest.
2: Yeah. I mean, it was so hand up. I was on the Eagles uh, plus four. Mm -hmm. I I thought that uh, betting against the Cowboys was a good idea. Uh, I still think it is (laughs) in general, but betting on the Eagles, it turns out not a good idea. Um, So, I mean that, that game wasn't even as close as the score would suggest. It ends up being 41 21. Uh, there was a garbage time touchdown from Jalen Hurts to, to Greg Ward at the very end, which salvaged Jalen Hurts' fantasy day a little bit, which was nice because State the, the, the on- I know, right? I had to price enforce <laughs> and force and you got stuck with him. And, and yeah, it's not great. But um, you look at the rest of that game. And it's close early, but it's only because of some fluky stuff. I mean, Dak Prescott gets kind of hit in the end zone, pop pops up, and, and Fletcher Cox catches it for a touchdown. So all of a sudden, the Eagles are back in business. And then because the Eagles had just turned the ball over to kind of put the Cowboys in that position. And then the Eagles also somehow managed a goal line stand as well. So, I mean, it could have been – just as easily 21-0 to as, as it was 14-7 to in favor of the Cowboys early on. So uh, as the game dra- uh, dragged on, really, um, you, you started to get the real sense of, of how the game was going. And, and, you know, if you were on the Cowboys minus 3.5, then you were feeling good pretty much the, the whole way through. Uh, it was a pretty thorough beating, I, I would say, on, on both sides of the ball. The Eagles' offense, I felt like, just didn't look – viable um and that's not great when you're going up against a cowboys defense that i don't think anyone would argue is is one that uh you should be struggling against at least to that degree especially without demarcus lawrence so um you know that thing i think it's like soul searching time for for the eagles already whereas like the cowboys just kind of by virtue of their sort of marquee-ness and Mm -hmm. you look at the rest of the um rest of that nfc east now and it's like well I guess they are the best team in the NFC East. I'm not going to say that that's worth more than than it really is, but you got to put them in pole position to to win the East at this point.
1: Absolutely. I I think you have to factor in. This was the first home game for, I think, Cowboys fans in two years. right? I I believe Mm -hmm. uh, they were dealing with everything else that the rest of the NFL was. So the crowd factor plays a part. And I don't think the Eagles are much better than the Cowboys. And I think things got out of hand really early on. So if this game gets played in Philadelphia and it will, obviously do I think the Cowboys are going to be again, a 20 point Victor? No, I, I think actually the, the home field advantage, especially in this situation, one of those first games back from Dallas national television kind of thing makes a difference. Uh, and I, I, I don't actually remember if I was on Eagles or Cowboys. I, I knew the game was going to be, I thought it was going to be close uh, and I had no real opinion one way or another. So to see see it go down like that, I think it's more so Cowboys aren't that good. Eagles aren't that bad. Let's see what happens as we get t- later towards the season. So, right. I mean, that, that's, that's my opinion, at least
2: on this. I, I think the Eagles might be that bad. I, th- I think that the, um, they, they have no clear plan as far as the run game is concerned. This isn't even me as like a jilted Miles Sanders investor. <laughs> He like I have zero shares of Miles Sanders, but you should give him the ball more than twice. Right. Like I'm just gonna say that out loud. Like, come on now. He he can run the ball at least. You give him give him the ball twice. He gets he picks up 27 yards. Like that's that it seems like something you should go back to, especially with the way that they're struggling in the past game. Uh obviously Zach Ertz came back and, and Dallas Goddard. Uh, he had a drop, but you know, was otherwise, you know, pretty, pretty solid, I thought, last night. Uh Devontae Smith seems to be working through some growing pains. I think some of the concerns that that we might have had about him and his pro prospects, the fact that he's just as skinny as he is, once you start throwing a bunch of jams and, and, you know, pressing him off the line, he might not be as effective. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that that's kind of bearing out. And then Jalen Rager, uh, you know, just another disappearing act from him. So, I mean, it's just a a weird mix there of, of skill guys. And I don't know if the offense really has a cohesive thesis behind it. Um, and Jalen Hurts, uh, I think that the physical tools are there. And occasionally, you know, he's able to do things like he did late in the season last year. But, you know, now that we've had an offseason for people to get tape on on him, I'm just starting to wonder uh, how long that this lasts. You know, if, if he has another night or another couple games like this one, then I think the Gardner Minshew... Noise oh. probably starts to come out a, a little bit, so we'll we'll see what happens there. I, I I'm not uh, completely pushing the eject button on, on Jalen Hurts by any means, but um, that 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 last night I think was um, a confidence shaking uh, type of incident, for uh, type of game to point to if you, if you're trying to doubt him.
1: Interesting. Well, I don't want to spend too much more time on a game that was kind of laughable throughout. Two other main talking points: a the uh demise of Ezekiel Elliott seems to be greatly exaggerated right there was <laughs> two rushing touchdowns tony pollard only got 11 carries to zeke 17 zeke got nearly 100 yards on the ground obviously over i think it was close to 120 total uh he looked pretty darn good tony pollard was, was relevant as well and uh, i know in past waiver wire shows not ours because pollard has never went under the 50% roster threshold, but others have mentioned Pollard as top pickup. I've never been concerned about Zeke. I thought in week one, the the fact that he was out there trying to pass block into the Buccaneers as much as he was was a positive sign. And, and now to see him both getting involved on the ground and through the air, good. I mean, like that's one of the first weeks where you're like happy to have Zeke as a first round pick. But I think by the end of the season, he is going to be a top 10 fantasy running back and and those who are concerned about the workload um pump the brakes a little bit, right?
2: Yeah, I, I think so. And, you know, as someone who was definitely concerned about Zeke after two weeks, it, it, you know, someone who, you know, I was close to setting the min on, on him in a couple spots. I think I've reached as high as four to get him in, in, in a best ball or two. So um, definitely w- was uh, shook that those first couple of weeks, but loved the usage last night. Mm-hmm. Get him the ball near the goal line, just let him like burrow his way into the end zone. And he, he's still great at that. So, I'll take those touchdowns and yeah, he was, a, he was efficient. He looks sp- springy, spry. You know, like the all the um, reports about him being in, in particularly good shape this year relative to years past seem to be true. He does look a lo- little bit lighter on his feet, but he's still um, delivering that that classic Zeke thump on top of it as well. So um, yeah, the, the arrow is definitely trending upwards again after uh, some some slow a uh, slow start out of the gate. Uh, to fair to say.
1: Other portion of this is Dalton Schultz, you know, six catches, two touchdowns, 80 yards. Probably a guy from a tight end perspective, especially if you have, you know, tight ends six through 14 that were being drafted. Maybe Kyle Pitts throws on that equation too, that you might want to consider having to pick up at this point. I've been a huge Blake Jarwin stand. Uh, I still believe him as a talent, but the fact that Dalton Schultz now uh, is continuing to be involved in that offense, even with Blake Jarwin healthy is a difficult for me. Like I'm, I think Jarwin at this point is a drop unless you're in deeper leagues, but B will complicate things in most situations for Schultz in future weeks. Or, or am I reading this wrong? I mean, is, is Schultz a guy that you might want to start from a tight end one perspective at, at points this season?
2: It, I mean, the, the tight end one thing is such a moving target. I mean, it, but mm-hmm. when it, when it comes to what we're looking at for this offense, you know, uh, Schultz, out snapping Jarwin 150 to 118, so that's a 32 snap difference over three games. So about ten, you know, about 10 snaps per game. And Schultz has been super efficient with with uh, the targets that he has gotten. But you know, so has Jarwin. Jarwin's caught eight of nine targets for 71 yards. Schultz obviously was the guy that that kind of stood out last night uh, with his ability to you know score a couple of touchdowns. Ends up ends uh, through three weeks. 14 catches uh, for 143 and two scores on 15 targets. So uh, whenever Dak goes to the tight end, it, it, it ends up being a positive play and it's an efficient call. It seems like I just think that there's there's going to be a volume cap um, for the these tight ends, whether it is Schultz or, or whether it is Jarwin. I, I do lean to the idea of Schultz, at least at this stage. How can you not after last night? But Um, I don't think that there's going to be too many other nights where C.D. Lamb has three catches and Amari Cooper has three catches. We're going to get we're going to get Michael Gallup back um, eventually. And, you know, Cedric Wilson even caught a touchdown last night. So um, it it was just a weird confluence of things going on that like the the Cowboys found a way to um, use a bunch of guys that they didn't really or haven't in the past in order to beat the Eagles last night. like if, But if they needed CeeDee Lamb and, and Cooper to do something last night, I'm sure they would have been able to. Right. Um, it's just kind of the way that, that the game broke. So if, you, if you're a Lamb or a Cooper investor, obviously a little bit frustrating. But, um, you know, I think Schultz is definitely on the radar. I think you like him more than like an Adam Troutman right now or something like that. But, um, you know, I, I think that unless you have one of those top tight ends right now, you, you're just kind of hoping Either way. And I think it, he's Schultz at least has like the viable case behind him playing in that offense and, and obviously having the, the couple of touchdowns last night. That that might be enough.
1: Yeah. Uh, th- that It's interesting. My 80% roster rate of George Kittle, Mark Andrews, and TJ Hawkinson of my 15 leagues has me feeling pretty good. So I'm like living oh, in this man. fairy tale land where I don't have to worry about tight end ever. Uh, but we'll circle back to Dalton Schultz and where he relates to a few of the other guys. It's actually kind of a deeper waiverware podcast for tight end and certainly wide receiver, too. You mentioned Chuba Hubbard. He's going to be a major talking point as well. And and maybe we could run back Sam Darnold again as the fourth consecutive week where he makes appearance on this podcast. Before we get to all that, though, let's get a uh, word from our sponsors, WinBet. If there's one thing we appreciate here at RotoWare, it's making good decisions, and even more so making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with RotoWare's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app winbook is now the exclusive sponsor for Wire's Fantasy podcast winbet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface moneyline line bets boosted parlays over under's ron robbins live betting and so much more right at your fingertips if you want a break from sports betting head into the winbet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette double donned and blackjack get slammed the slots or try your hand at baccarat winbet is currently available in six states colorado indiana michigan new jersey tennessee and virginia while rapidly expanding at winbet the possibilities are limitless winbet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to five On your first wager, download Winbet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. Winbet, the exclusive partner for Rotowire's Fantasy Podcast. While we're here, let's also get a word from our sponsors, Blueware.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed Data
1: Okay, so we're back. Let's talk about quarterbacks for a second. Last week, we were in on Daniel Jones, Derek Carr, Teddy Bridgewater, and Sam Darnold. Honestly, of those, Daniel Jones was the most disappointing. Obviously, Derek Carr had another 350-plus-yard game. Teddy Bridgewater did fine enough, and Sam Darnold with his two rushing touchdowns was pretty darn good. It was Daniel Jones in what should have been a great match against the Falcons that struggled. I think this week, from a streaming quarterback perspective, do you run back Sam Darnold again? We just saw the Cowboys eviscerate that Eagles offense uh, on Monday Night Football can Sam Darnold, uh, without Christian McCaffrey, do do comparably well against this Cowboys defense?
2: I I think I do like Darnold's uh, setup for for this week. You know, I, I do think at the end of the day uh, that that Carolina offense is way better designed than whatever the heck Philadelphia is running out there. Um, I think that Darnold is a super talented guy. You know, I, I was not ready to give up on him after the the shaky couple of years in New York. Uh, It looks like he's kind of tapped back into things um, as far as that potential is concerned. Having no McCaffrey, it definitely stings, but it also kind of makes the offense less contingent on the running back and it it allows Darnold to operate more as a passer. Um, So I, I like, you know, his ability to facilitate and kind of have the game on his shoulders as opposed to, uh, you know, when McCaffrey's back there demanding 30 touches or whatever. So I like Darnold's chances this week of doing well. Obviously uh, the Cowboys have some studs uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Micah Parsons looks promising. Travon Diggs looks like an unbelievable corner. Uh, Had another pick six last night. I think he's picked up, had a pick in every game so far this year or something like that. Um, So he's crazy, but those are just individual pieces. I still think that, that defense in Dallas is, is, you know, not maybe not as bad as it was a year ago, but certainly not like the, mm. the greatest thing in the world. So I think Darnold is definitely uh, streamable. this week is he top fourteen necessarily? Yeah, he's like right on the, on that fringe probably. But um, I think he, he's if he's still out there, I've, I'm picking him up over like a Baker Mayfield. I would say.
1: That was good. I was going to ask you, I mean, like Baker's got the Vikings this week, which, which might be a serviceable matchup, but I'm thinking maybe on the lines of, I don't know, do you want to play hmm, Bridgewater against the Ravens is, is not a, is not a question. I'll play Darnold over Bridgewater, but Bridgewater was already a streaming option. Anyway, Roethlisberger against the Packers defense, you'd maybe consider Roethlisberger at the same instance. He's been so bad. It's like, you know, it's, the movable object against the horrible quarterback. Which one ends up doing worse, the Packers or which one does better, the Packers defense or Roethlisberger? I have, I have no idea. Uh, and you're probably playing Tom Brady against the Patriots too. I think this week, oh, man. Yeah. The, the the top options at quarterback, you're not really fading. And, you know, there's there's none of those guys. So if there is a streamer that you're really considering, it's more along the lines of two QB formats. And I think that's where as Sam Darnold was probably being played anyway. Um, yeah. I, I, like I, you're right. Is he QB 14? close but I think you can make a comparison for a lot of those guys
2: right yeah it's it's kind of a a mishmash once you get past Rodgers I mean like you get like your Tannehill your cousins Baker Burrow Darnold like all all those guys kind of interchangeable uh matter of preference type of thing um so you know Tannehill probably against the Jets might 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 win win out just based on, on matchup as far as the streaming is concerned but I think Darnold is definitely in that consideration and certainly you know like a well, this is waiver wire, but I think DFS, it, it, you could you could do worse probably. Well,
1: cool. I think that's a good conversation because, again, if you're considering Darnell, it's really in the fringe area. I think most of these top guys are pretty automatic plays. Uh, very obvious QB, two, but I think, again, for leagues out there that have two QB formats or a super flex, Taylor Heineke against that Falcons defense. We recommended Daniel Jones last week. Didn't do as great as we were anticipating. Taylor Heineke, I think, has been uneven thus far uh, through his two majority actions of uh, play this in, in the season. I, I think I like him. I certainly like Terry McLaurin. I mean, like that's that's a guy that you, you're hoping really does well this week. And if he doesn't, some concerns lie there. I don't know. What, what's your thoughts overall on Heineke as a as a possible super flex play this week?
2: Yeah. He's someone that uh, I think he has some really intriguing parts to his game. He's got a lot of moxie, a lot of chutzpah, you know, the, the kind of stuff that you say about a guy that's probably not all that toolsy, but um, is fun to watch regardless. Uh, you know, he can move around a little bit. He can make plays happen out, out of nothing. Um, the Falcons defense, I do think is bad. I think the, the Giants offense just kind of outbatted how bad the Falcons defense was a, a week ago. So uh, there, there's something to be said for that. I, I think that uh, Heineke, um, you know, if you rush to pick him up after the Giants game a week ago, you shouldn't jump ship so so quickly after, a, you know, a bad game in Buffalo, you know, against, you know, arguably the, the team to beat in the AFC. So I think going up against the Falcons should be a much easier go for, for Heineke. If it's not, then you can go ahead and, and you know, m- move on, move along with whatever else you, you need to do roster wise. But I would, I would still hang on to Heineke if you, if you went ahead and picked him up this time a week ago,
1: we got a good question from Lucas. He's got uh, uh, Terry McLaurin and Anthony uh, Antonio Gibson. Is it worth flipping Antonio Gibson for James Robinson straight up now, at least some context for this, obviously a great matchup against the Falcons. If you were to trade Gibson, I think you should do it after this matchup against the Falcons. However, The Washington football team actually has one of the hardest schedules, at least for running backs, the rest of the way. So I think there is a conversation to be made for Gibson, especially if he's splitting workload with J.D. McKissick as a trade. I had a friend earlier today also ask, should I trade Gibson straight up for Jonathan Taylor? I think there's a conversation that could be made. But anything, any trades for me, at least from Antonio Gibson's perspective, need to be made after this Falcons game. Because if he has 20-plus points, I think that's almost a given. Not a given, but he sure looks like a favorable spot against the Falcons defense this week.
2: Now that's a good point. So you'll have to see if it's an expiring offer. You know, I'm sure the guy that that wants Gibbo uh, definitely would would like to have him against the Falcons as well. So you you know you might need to to use that leverage a little bit to, to see if you can get a little bit more. But uh, when it comes to, I feel like maybe the crux here, and maybe I'm I'm reading it wrong, but if you have Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson, maybe he's looking to diversify his offensive shares a little bit. That's I'm, not, I'm not so worried about it because you still at the end of the day have the number one options, both in the backfield and at receiver for, for a given team. That's not the worst thing in the world. So um, I wouldn't trade Gibson based on that and certainly not uh, take what I, what I believe to be a lesser player just a bit. I mean, I, I like James Robinson a lot and I was worried after those first two weeks, I feel a lot better now. Um, but I still don't think that, that Robinson quite measures up to Gibson one-to-one to where I, I would make that deal.
1: Yeah. I, I tend to agree as well too. And and you mentioned the number one option, whether it be a receiver runner, do you want any number one options besides Chark in, in for an urban Meyer offense? I don't like I, yeah. I was so in on Trevor Lawrence. He's probably my most roster player across all my leagues and I couldn't have been more wrong. And you know, it's not me that's wrong. It's just Urban Meyer. That's why I'll put all the blame on there from right. an analysis perspective. Right? We we know what we're talking about with Trevor Lawrence. Us guys sitting here in the computer, not coaching players. It's <laughs> Trevor Lawrence. It's amazing. Urban Meyer is dumb, uh, and I get a little bit worried that I'm investing even more into a guy that I think could be one of the more the worst coaches. And, and thankfully, Adam Gase has been around for as long as he was uh, because I think he'll he'll never lose that crown. Urban Meyer is trying. He's really trying his best to get to that point.
2: Yeah, the, the the candle that burns twice as brightly uh, burns twice as quickly. So the, I think Urban is a more spectacular failure, whereas Gase is like this like consistent slow burn of terrible. I mean, like not that he he wasn't like explosively terrible at any at any one point, but uh, seems like Urban's got like a, a little like special something as far as how bad it's going for, for him and in, in the Jags uh, thus far. That like basically your your biggest pessimist on how this would go is, is completely vindicated so far and, and maybe even not enough.
1: I think you're going to be able to sell Antonio higher after this week. Like Lucas had followed up saying he was trying to get Javante Williams. You and I are both a little bit lower on Javante Williams than I think most people are. I, I would feel like that's a downgrade regardless of what you think Williams will be at the end of the season. There's going to be a high point, like a watershed mark for Gibson, and I think it's going to be after this Washington. Again, he has one of the more – sorry, I guess this the Falcons team one of the highest or worst schedules geez uh entering like week five and onwards uh keep that in mind let's move over to the running backs again there wasn't much from a quarterback perspective and frankly not a lot from the running backs either we had talked about james white peyton barber a little bit uh quarterback patterson as well too and alexander madison i don't know if you realize this john because we play in so many different leagues madison was available or was only rostered in 33 of yahoo leagues prior to last week i thought that was astounding and he was one of those like yeah, of course you pick him up if he's available, regardless of double Cook's you know out or not. Of course, Cook was out. Madison looked great. Now we don't know what's going to happen with Cook this past week. Uh, Madison is like skyrocketing from a roster rate. Not worth talking much more about that. We do have Chuba Hubbard though, and I think that's going to be probably the main conversation for most of these waiver wire podcasts out there. So it's not a question of do you pick him up. I think the question is how much do you spend from a waiver wire perspective, whether it is the top waiver wire priority or from a free agent budget. And I, I'm curious your thoughts because I know I have some. I think uh, differing than a lot of our other colleagues out there in the fantasy sports
2: industry. I'm not diving in with both feet on Hubbard. Uh, I think that he's someone that you can go up to maybe 20, 25% of, you, of your free agent budget, but I'm not going more than that. And I, and this is coming from a guy who um Put sixty-two percent on uh, on Elijah Mitchell. So maybe oh, so that. Makes you were
1: me- the premature fabulation guy. Gotcha. A
2: hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> st- still refracting from it. And and um, you know, when when you come to the, this thing on on Chuba Hubbard, I don't think McCaffrey's going to be out for for that long. I think he's going to be out for a while. Obviously, um, you know, the, the hamstring injury, star player, guy who. Um, you know, the Panthers have so much invested in. They're going to make sure that he's, uh, and having gone through last year, they're going to make sure that he's fully good to go uh, when he comes back. So we, we have a few weeks here, a window in which Hubbard's going to be valuable. And, and I think it's a different conversation for people that have McCaffrey versus people who just want to pick up the, the RB or waiver wire du jour. Um, and, and I think that Hubbard, I just don't necessarily think that he's, like even Mike Davis from a year ago, hmm, I don't, th- really? I don't think he. No, I, I really don't. I, I, I think Mike. Da- I probably think that Mike Davis is better than, than most people do, but at, at the same time, I just think that Hubbard, the way he finished his college career, kind of with a dud. Um, I was going to say that, yeah. I, I just, mm, I got some, I got some reservations on him. So I mean, like, I'll, I'll do a keep him honest bid, of course, and and you know, like, I, I definitely wouldn't mind having the starting running back for an offense that that's good um, for even if it's just for a few weeks, that's useful stuff, especially if you're hurting at running back, but I'm not going to, I'm not going over 30%. Like I'm, I'm tapping out at 25%.
1: So he was a top prospect. I mean, you're our college guy and and, uh, Hubbard was one of the top guys. And then the year before, I guess last year, didn't look very great. Stock goes down, falls to this point prior to that would have been wrong to say he was considered a second or third round prospect at minimum, uh, prior to his last year in college,
2: I would have put And, you know, ETN had, had a similar mm-hmm. thing, but he obviously ended up going in the first round, but it would have been very interesting discussion if we had Jonathan Taylor, Chuba Hubbard, and Travis Etienne because I think those would have constituted the top three in the in the 2020 draft class and Swift would have been you know close behind but fourth and then uh, you know CEH obviously the guy who ended up going first of that group uh, w- would be below them so um, yeah Hubbard definitely had an unbelievable 2019 season that and just was kind of unable to follow it up unfortunately and you know he if he struck while the iron was was really hot, then I think that he could have been a second-round pick. But, you know, hate to see the, the, those kind of uh, trajectories.
1: Obviously falls to the fourth round now. And here's my thought. So I it, I I avoided the Elijah Mitchell. I mean, we were saying here, let's go 30 35%, thinking, hey, it's week one. Do not invest all of your budget into one player. Obviously we were completely wrong. Like from, you know, we give – expert analysis and opinions every week I felt bad because people listen to this podcast think oh I don't need to go aggressively in on Mitchell I I would have wanted him you know hindsight being what it is looking at that Niners offense you want the starting guy there I thought 30 to 35 percent would be what it takes to win him that wasn't the case so I felt like we were wrong in the in the analysis here I don't want to miss Hubbard I, I really don't and if I have to go 45, 50%. I think that's the play. Okay. You mentioned two things that's important to me. A McCaffrey. We don't know how long he's going to be out, but his injury history from last year is important. The Panthers are three. No, they're kind of situated a nice spot in the NFC South where that division's not very good. You know, the saints not very good. Buccaneers going to win the super bowl. Fine. But other than that, you got the Panthers that can walk in as a five, six, seven seed. And I think be competitive so long as Sam Darnold continues to do what we've seen thus far, their schedule's pretty easy too. If you have McCaffrey out and saying, hey, we're playing for the postseason, let's make sure this is right. You have Hubbard against the Cowboys. I think it's a good matchup. Eagles the following week in week five. Okay. As a two week start, if you're saying he's just starting that way, 25, 30% of your budget. I, as somebody that's going to be going at more 35, 40, 45%, think it's longer. And if it is longer, you got the Vikings, Giants, Falcons of the next three weeks. That's a pretty sizable five week advantage where you're saying Hubbard is going to be at minimum a running back two. And that's where I'm fine. You don't get those off the waiver wire very often. And again, in most situations, he's probably available. Uh, He's rostered in only 26% of Yahoo leagues. If you're in a 10-team league right now, no. I think I'm I'm like you and being a little bit less aggressive. But in 12-team, 14, anything else like that, yeah, I'm going pretty aggressively high because I, I think we have a running back, too, for at least the next three weeks, maybe to a month.
2: Okay, right on.
1: Uh, the other least running back worth mentioning was Peyton Barber, who had hundred plus yards rushing again with Josh Jacobs out for a second consecutive week, had the touchdown as well. Too it seems like Jacobs is turning closer to returning. Peyton Barber is what we think Peyton Barber is. Uh, but it was in a nice offense that's now been generating tons of production. And Derek Carr is an early MVP favorite, which feels almost gross to say but it is where we're at right now in the 2021 timeline do you like Peyton Barber as like a guy that you can spend two to three bucks on thinking if Jacobs were to get injured again he has a little bit of an injury history through his career could be a guy that you can start as like a running back four or five uh on your bench the rest of the way
2: yeah when you put it in the in the two to three bucks uh context then, then I'm I'm more you know in on, on this idea but it it's crazy to me uh Hayden Winks the guy that writes for um for underdog great stuff over over there. Uh you know, he tweeted out the the very good point that it's like the, the Raiders made Kenyon Drake what like the 15th highest paid running back in in, in football or something, <laughs> something this like year. that. Yep. and then you and then you're going ahead and giving Peyton Barber <laughs> more care. I mean they really needed a, a
1: pass pass catching specialist. Jalen Ricard was not doing
2: it for uh John Gruden. I mean and well, then, use him. Like, just I just don't use Peyton. Bar- I mean, Peyton Barber obviously had like maybe the best game of his career against the Dolphins. Like, that's all well and good, but man, like, I I'm not I'm not really investing in this one. That this might be, uh, I I don't even know what a good comp is. Unfortunately, that's on me. But like, you know, this is just like a pop up blip on the radar type of performance. Like, if he if he does anything close to this again this year. I will be thoroughly shocked. So, we'll be bringing
1: uh, you on for a guest interview if that's please. the case. <laughs> I mean, that's
2: that's totally fine. I'll wear it. But, uh, yeah, I'll I'll dig my heels in and say that, uh, yeah, Peyton Barber will will not uh, eclipse 111 uh, rushing yards and 140 yards from scrimmage again this season.
1: I just think of this because we had reports right before we came on air, uh, Adam Schefter, others reporting, Marlon Mack, and the Colts have agreed to work on a trade. Okay, what's the, the trade for a third string guy who's on a one-year deal look like? I don't really know, maybe six or seventh round compensation. The Raiders might be a good landing spot because as much as I think Marlon Mack is an indifferent prospect, he's better than Peyton Barber. So if yeah. the situation were to occur where Josh Jacobs does get injured again and you for whatever reason can't use the 15th highest paid running back in the league to do things to help your offense, then maybe Marlon Mack works in your favor. In any case, I'm out on Peyton Barber. I think only in really, really deep formats uh, where you're you're looking at a guy like Barber as a running back four or five that could walk into your lineup at some point. Great. Otherwise, most people listening, I imagine it's not going to be very helpful for them. The other part uh, of this equation is we don't have a lot of running backs. I mean, like Giovanni Bernard, from a PPR perspective, got a ton of workload. Here's the only problem. Can you project a situation where the Buccaneers are going to be trailing to that extent and having to pass? I mean, this is a team that's going to win the Super Bowl because the NFL will make sure Tom Brady wins a second one.
2: <laughs> I but, like your tinfoil. I like Oh, it's I a, like, a,
1: how... I, oh, this is, no, no, John, we have to I'm just real quick. I know this is a waiver wire podcast, but when my wife knew. Tom Brady had the chance to host the first ever Super Bowl game. She said, Joe, go bet on the Buccaneers to beat the Packers in the NFC Championship game. I said, There's no way. I felt really good about the Packers. I wanted them. I wanted the Buccaneers more than the Saints. And she's like, No. Tom Brady will get there. The NFL will make sure. And she was absolutely dead right. Poor Kevin King got eviscerated <laughs> by the referees at the end. There, you're rolling your eyes. No, you know if you're not watching the broadcast, no, I, you know, have, I have more eyes. than enough
2: Brady <laughs> scar tissue to to not disagree with a As single Ravensburg, word you're yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, no, I I am for certain. I don't care what uh, I mean. Other than maybe the NFL really wants Los Angeles to go ahead and have a Super Bowl too. That's that's the other part of the equation with the Rams looking arguably very good. Either way, is there? is there like a week that you could actually say, yeah, the Buccaneers are going to struggle. They're going to have to pass the Giovanni Bernard 10 times. I look at the rest of the season schedule. I don't see a scenario where that occurs. And that's where Giovanni Bernard, even in a PPR league, doesn't make a lot of sense for me to start or pick up.
2: Yeah. I mean, it, again, it's a, it's a PPR thing for for sure when it comes to Bernard. And even then uh, I think it's, it's pretty well, low ceiling. I think he's dealing with it with a bit of a knee um, issue. So who, who even knows what the bucks are going to do there. And and in reality, the bucks are just such a, a pass first team that it feels like their running backs are so disposable. I know that, that Brady has all the history of, of throwing to his running backs and he'll do it when he needs to, but does he really need to that much when you have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Robert Romkowski, and, and, you know, all, all these other guys there. I don't necessarily think so. That those guys kind of all seem like, uh, spare parts to, to that offense. They don't really feel like they're going to be consistent week to week producers. That's true of Leonard Fournette. That's true of Ronald Jones. So if Bernard's the third of that bunch with a very specialized role within that, I, I count me out.
1: Yeah. I'm with you in that. Let's get to the water receivers, obviously a healthy group uh, there before we do that, a word from our sponsors, Yahoo. DFS, the new NFL season is finally here, and Yahoo is excited to kick off Daily Fantasy Football. There'll be a ton of big prized contests throughout the season on Yahoo, including their multi-entry contest, now being shark-free. To celebrate the opening of Yahoo Daily Fantasy Football and becoming shark-free, Yahoo is giving all users the opportunity to claim free $10 in contest entry credit. Users can take advantage of this by free $10 contest entry credit to uh, offer to join one of Yahoo's biggest contests, including the $1 million baller contest. The $1 million baller contest features obviously $1 million in total prizes, including first place receiving 100,000 and an entry to the first ever Yahoo fantasy football championship live finals event. Yes, that is a mouthful, but it's going to occur at MGM national Harbor in Maryland this December Play daily fantasy football on Yahoo. This season visit sports.yahoo.com slash daily fantasy slash welcome to claim the free $10 offer to get started. Okay. So we had just talked about last week, Rondell Moore, Rashard Higgins, Henry Ruggs, those three names, not, not obviously a, a huge list of options, you know, Henry Ruggs another really good contest Moore, despite, uh, sorry, Rondell Moore, despite Deandre Hopkins being limited, did almost next to nothing. We'll get to AJ Green in a little bit here. This week, tons of different options. Josh Gordon, Emmanuel Sanders, Canaries, Tony, Brian Edwards. There's still a possibility Tim Patrick's available in your league. There's a lot of names to, to go over. And I think, um, what I want from you, John, first is to order, or at least rank these guys. We're going to get to the Josh Gordon conundrum in a second. But of the other guys, who are your favorite wide receiver pickups from the top to the bottom? And then we'll kind of go hit by hit on these guys.
2: Um, I think I, I would start out with, with Tim Patrick, um, especially in, in light of uh, the Hamler stuff. And then, you know, Jerry Judy's going to be out. Um, so I, I like him. Uh, number one, I think that Patrick is just like a, a just perennially underrated guy who all he does is when given the opportunity, he he makes something of it. So I like him. Um, next up would probably be Emmanuel Sanders. I, I know it can be a little bit tough in an offense with Stephon Diggs to to really carve out and that Cole role. Beasley. Yeah, yeah, Beasley's getting a ton of work as well, but um, I still like Sanders a fair bit. So he would be second on my list. I would go Brian Edwards three. Um, I like Brian Edwards. I have a ton of Brian Edwards shares. So if you're playing in a league with me, he's not on the waiver wire. Um,
1: <laughs> you were the original Brian Edwards stands, as far I, as I can consider.
2: Pretty much. I, I think we can even look back to the to the NFL mag. I think I like scooped him with my last pick or something like that, if I remember correctly. Um, and then, J.K.
1: Dobbins was my first pick in the mag. So I can't really talk about anything positive <laughs> from that format.
2: <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. T- tough scene there for, from, the, uh, from the Dobbins shares. And then um, I'd probably go after that I would probably go like AJ green and then maybe Kadarius Tony, but I I think I need uh, like him to actually show signs of life other than just the fact that the other guys on the giants are hurt right now. And then, uh, you know, I'll just, I'll just come up and say like, uh, I'm not interested in Josh Gordon. We're eight years removed from him being relevant. It's a good story um, that, uh, that, that he's coming back again and everything, but man, like, We got to stop chasing, chasing that from eight years ago. Like we got, someone's got to stop it.
1: Okay. I mean, and that's, that's good. I want to get back to Tim Patrick, but everyone's going to be talking about Josh Gordon. So we might as well too. Julia asks not about Josh Gordon signing and his fancy value. I think Julia's got the right idea, but will that impact Tyree kill and Michael Harbin's fancy value? I think the former Tyree kills instance, very unlikely, but maybe Michael Hardman sees a little bit less opportunities. I mean, how how realistically is it to assume Gordon's going to be out there seeing 30, 40, 50 snaps? I just don't, I, like, I'm, I'm sure he's in shape. We've done this song and dance now for 15 different teams uh, every single year, and he does get some playing time until two weeks later then he's gone. I don't know, like, it, it shouldn't impact Hardman, but yet, you again, also being one of the original Michael Hardman stands, he's been a little bit lackluster this season, sure. despite having the possible workload that we are anticipating for once in his career.
2: Right. So I think we just look at Hardman as someone who could potentially uh, lose some playing time to to this, but it, you know that that's also betting that that Gordon is going to outperform him. I, I know that the Chiefs wouldn't go through all the trouble of, of getting Gordon if they didn't intend on using him once mm-hmm. he's ready. So I think. You know, two, three weeks down the line, we're going to see him play a healthy amount of snaps in this offense. And that could be at the expense of Hardman, especially if Hardman doesn't produce um, in the time that he has until Gordon uh, joins the active roster. So um, if I'm a Hardman investor, which I am in a lot of spots, I am a little bit nervous. I'm a little bit frustrated by by, by this addition. But I think that at the end of the day, Hardman is a better player in the year 2021 than Josh Gordon. And I I think that hopefully that the chiefs will, uh, kind of, you know, uh, confirm that.
1: So you're not putting a bid in on Josh Gordon at all.
2: No. Uh, so, I mean, even if I was, there's always the guy that, that, that still <laughs> thinks that, that 2013 Browns Josh Gordon is in there and he's not, he's not. But I,
1: I made that mistake what two years ago. Man, it was one of the first times I did Sirius XM, and they made one of those cool graphics ap- afterwards, it's got the sound bites going on. You know, oh, yeah. And ever, oh, dude, this guy thinks Josh Gordon could be something with the Patriots, and you know, obviously he took three games and that wasn't the case. And I'm like hitting my head, like, oh, come on. You know, just <laughs> that's that's what I get to be known for, is the guy that was in on Josh Gordon. Okay, so I'm not making that mistake again, but even even being burned by that, I'm I'm not interested. Honestly, I think that offense is Hill and Kelsey and that's it. And yet somehow Mahomes throws for 350 yards and three touchdowns just about every week. I I I think Gordon will have some minimal impact. I'm not even necessarily worried about Hardman, although I was Less in on him than you were. So I could see where the concern might lie. Um, let's double back to Tim Patrick, though, because you had mentioned something really crucial. Okay, so Jerry Judy's coming back, maybe possibly next week. The report when the first when the injury came out was Judy's gonna be out four to six weeks. We're on week two of his injury reserve stint. Next week he's technically eligible to play. But either way, Judy's coming back soon. Obviously, Patrick's rise came at the impact of Judy, but now you have KJ Hamler who likely is out. So even if Judy comes back, you have Cortland Sutton on the other side. I think Tim Patrick still is playing. And to be honest, he's been really good during the times he has been out there at this point. I don't think the Broncos offense can fade him. And for somebody that's rostered only 23% of the leagues, I like him quite a bit. Like I, you know, I'm obviously going in on, on Chuba Hubbard quite a bit from the pickup perspective, but I will be aggressive getting Tim Patrick in places that uh, he's not rostered. And, And honestly, in most leagues, I do already have Tim Patrick, but in any other situation, I think I like him a lot. Um, am I being too aggressive
2: though? No, I, I think that Tim Patrick is a legitimate NFL wide receiver. And I think that we have that sweet spot, that, that window, almost like what we were saying about, about Chuba Hubbard, where the, the star is going to be out for, you know, at least a couple more weeks, but potentially like over a month more. Um, I think we see something similar to that with Patrick, where he's only competing with Cortland Sutton. So that that's too just kind of stud red zone guys that, that the Broncos are able to, to roll out there. And, you know, last year, you know, I don't know how much more convincing you need after Patrick was able to go for um, almost mm-hmm. 10 yards a target over 80 targets with drew Locke as his main quarterback. Like that is impressive <laughs> stuff. So like, I, I, I think that he's someone that that should definitely like, I thought during the off season, the Broncos probably could have gotten a decent trade for him, but uh, now I know for a fact that they're glad they hung on to him.
1: Yeah, I wish the Packers would have been more aggressive getting any other wide receivers than Randall Cobb. Uh, not bitter whatsoever as a fan. <laughs> Let, let's also talk about Brian Edwards a little bit more too. Actually, Julie has a great question. Um, you know, Rugs, Waller, Renfro are all ahead of Brad, uh, Edwards in the pecking order. Not to mention Drake when he comes back. Or actually, does stuff and Josh Jacobs too. So how is Edwards rosterable at the moment? I think first to mention this. I'm assuming 12-14 to team leagues, that's where Edwards is. In a 10-team league, as much as I like Edwards and I know you like him more, that's probably not enough work rate for him to be a guy that you even want to have on your bench. However, the Raiders have what? The league's top offense are right close to it. They're passing 300-plus yards a game. I don't see how that changes, mainly because I don't think Josh Jacobs is that good, and they're not using Kenny Drake and Peyton Barber at all. That defense – also isn't very good. There's a lot of yardage that's going to be in play, and while Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro and Henry Ruggs, when he's catching deep passes, can all soak up some of that value, there is going to be opportunity for Edwards, even uh, as wide receiver four. I think of you know the Packers offense when it was really good, and you have top of those guys really working. The Chiefs offense that sometimes too, four different guys can be uh, fancy, you know relevant, you know Rams as well too, right? Higgins, oh, sorry, Higgins, I'm not sure. Woods, uh, Higbee. You got any running back that might be getting yardage total, and then you have Cup who's doing great things. And if an offense is good, I, should, I forgot the Buccaneers as well. Duh. Then there's going to be a lot of yardage. I mean, that's that's fair, right?
2: I mean, yes. And, and you know, uh, Waller is is obviously the 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 alpha of the, of this uh, offense and and this passing game. And Henry Ruggs has come on pretty nicely. I mean, obviously getting 19 targets through the, through the first three games, seven in each of the last two weeks that's strong. I just think that Edwards like his per target production has outshined them so far. And and Renfro, it seems like he's not going away for better or for worse. Um, I think he's actually done done extremely well to for the record. Um, but um and rugs is definitely a problem. So so I worry less about like the talent when it comes to Edwards and more about just like him being like the the number four um option and that 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 I think is gonna start to take its toll. Um, I, I don't think that you're going to see him be able to continue to be uh, 15 plus yards per target level of efficiency. That's just extremely hard to do over the course of an entire season unless you're only getting four or five targets a game, which seems to be the case for him right now. So Edwards is is someone that, that it feels like you're just sitting on a lottery ticket, but it might be a losing lottery ticket. Like you can definitely see what the upside looks like, but you you, you just feel what the surrounding realities are. Uh, You see that Waller is going to absorb well into a hundred targets. You see that Renfro's trending towards that. And you see that for former first round pick from two years ago, from 2020, Henry Ruggs is actually starting to show Mm -hmm. some promise. I think that the the Raiders are going to keep going to that and seeing where, how far that goes. So it's, it's, Frustrating th- thus far how well the, the two other um, guys, uh, Renfro and Ruggs, have have kind of progressed this year. Because Edwards has been great on a per-target basis, but um, I just think that uh, we we see a pretty significant uh, target ceiling for him.
1: Okay. Uh, real quick, because I know you're lower on Kadarius, Tony, than maybe most people are going to see Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton really banged up in that Falcons loss, or sorry, win. I forget. I don't even care. It's Giants, Falcons. It doesn't matter. But is Kadarius Tony going to be a factor offensively, and you're saying more so. I got to see it first before I'm really going to be investing that. Even as a first round pick, that Tony was, you're you're not buying the hype that could be the Giants forcing him from an offensive perspective.
2: I just think that. Um, I mean, it was such a disastrous off season for him, right? And you can only penalize him so much for that. Now that we're almost into October, we'll be into October when he when he suits up on Sunday. But um, for, for whatever talent Tony has, I think that he's just a little bit limited right now. I don't think he ran much of a route tree at all at Florida. It was, it was all just kind of predicated on them just getting the ball in his hands Mm -hmm. and letting him, letting him go from there. And I think that can work in the NFL. I don't know how much the Giants want to make that a part of their offense, a staple of their offense and and how much they would have to kind of reconfigure things in order to, to make that, be a reality, uh, you know, given the, the Gallaudet and, and the Shepherd stuff right now. So do they want to just kind of invert things and, and just go really short to, or not Gallaudet, I'm sorry, uh, Shepard and Slayton. Um, so I, I envision Tony getting snaps here. He got 42 snaps on Sunday and still only drew three targets, even with the, the injuries uh, befalling some of those other Giants guys. So, you know, I, I don't know if, if you'll have the luxury of waiting a week, Uh, I think someone will probably go ahead and and scoop him just because of the injury context with, with this team right now at the receiver position. But I I could see him getting scooped, doing nothing this weekend and then being on the waiver wire. When you do this pot again next week,
1: Uh, you don't believe that Jason Garrett has seen the light jet sweeps are the new thing. Haven't you watched the Packers and 49ers Jason Garrett's been sitting there on those primetime television games? Like, ah, that's what I've been missing. in My offense just motioning someone right to left and handing the ball. This is perfect. I think Jason Garrett seems like the perfect candidate to uh, go ahead and completely change his offensive philosophy. And uh, Mr. Coach himself will absolutely incorporate Kadarius Tony on space moving targets. Oh, of course. I mean, that's, that's totally for sure. I actually, I mean, I say all that in jest. I actually think I might be going in on uh, Tony. Like, I don't know. I know you did at least one uh, beat John McKechnie. The World War NFL, uh, NFC Championship type of caliber thing, and I could see him being available in those four months. I'd have to check at least from a, a roster rate if that is the case. I'll Ross, I'll take him there. Like I, I think, in a deeper roster league, it is twelve teams. I think you have ten people on the bench. That's okay with me. And if in fact Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton are out for an extended time, or if the Giants do want to force feed a guy who is their first round pick to justify that what many people thought was a bit of a high selection as is you know, we could benefit that from a fancy perspective. Am I going high in that? No. I mean, we talked about Tim Patrick, obviously Chuba Hubbard. I'm going to be in on two. Brian Edwards, I'd much rather roster as well. I think it's probably, you know, Tony is like four or five and that's not even getting to the tight ends too. And I think there actually is value at tight end this week as well. So that being said, you know, it's, it's more of a shallower bid. I think it's going to be, at least for me, and, and you can weigh in as well, John, I think I'll be bidding on him to the point where I want to get him. It's not just to make sure somebody actually is doing this, like a safe bet, but even still, I'm not going more than seven or 8% of my budget. And if that's the case, fine. Somebody else is just going to be overpaying for him.
2: You know what first round receiver I might go for instead? Yes. Try to get ahead of things. Ravens Rashad, fan Rashad Bateman. Yes. I like it. You were upset I mean,
1: with Marquise Brown. That's what it was.
2: I mean, when am I not? Um, <laughs> The guy, the guy is like so fun to watch. And then he just does things like that on, on you know, so now he's Marquise Brown. He's no longer Hollywood Brown, but um, yeah. I mean, Bateman is practicing this week. Um, Sammy Watkins and Marquise Brown, I think are kind of non-negotiables in this offense, but I think Bateman can be that solid third uh, receiver. DuVernay he's out there. He's playing. I don't think that DuVernay is just a guy necessarily, but Bateman's a first round talent. And I think that Bateman Provided that he's able to get up to speed, I think that he's a guy that you you want to get in a week early. Um, so if you have the stomach for it, if you have the the bench space available, maybe scoop Bateman on the cheap this week before he go before he's going for closer to you know ten uh, percent uh, budget uh, type of acquisitions uh, here in a week or two. Once we start hearing that he's almost ready to come back,
1: I like that call quite a bit. I have far too many Devin Duvernay. Rookie cards uh, to the hope that I'm. I, I would love for him to pop off, but I think Bateman's going to be an interesting case. He is going to be practicing this week. Obviously, he's on IR right now, but he would be eligible to return this week if he's deemed healthy. I don't envision a scenario where he's going to get a lot of workload right from the get go. Even with the struggles that some of those past catchers in Baltimore have had. That being said, the potential is there. And you know, like I, I think you guys both you and Mario were really high on Bateman and thought he certainly should be drafted over Tony and was yeah. maybe more of a, he, he fell to that point in the draft for the Ravens to scoop him up. I, I really like him as well too. I, I like Tyler Johnson. And then I also like Rashad Bateman. So maybe I should just be a Minnesota fan at the Badgers. Yeah, Geez, go for uh, it over
2: here. Dang. <laughs> either
1: way. Okay. So last one, at least AJ Green, obviously looked okay uh, with Deandre Hopkins out. That was a vintage AJ Green. If I've ever seen one before. And much like how we are dissing on Peyton Barber, I'll be willing to go on whatever podcast you have and say A.J. Green is not going to have that good of a performance again. I think he is more or less done in his career. Thanks for throwing out the vintage performance on everyone's bench, though, A.J. Green. I really appreciate that.
2: Yeah, nice. I, I certainly could have used it. I think I have him in one or two leagues where, yeah, I definitely had some flops at, at receivers. So that was, uh, that was a <laughs> bummer uh, for, for sure. But um, I'm not so ready to write off A.J. Green. Oh, just yet, OK. I, I, All right. I, I think that he's definitely if you're churning that, that bottom of your of your receiver core, um, why not see if lightning can strike twice? And, you know, who's to say that, that Kirk or Rondell Moore especially are going to be able to stay healthy for the entirety of the season? So I think A.J. Green's worth a, a kicking of the tires. Uh, obviously, Hopkins is the guy that's going to be absorbing a huge percentage of the targets there in Arizona. But I, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised if A.J. Green ha, is is like a, a serviceable, you know, like cracks somewhere in the top 50 receivers by the time that this season's over.
1: Interesting. Okay. All right. Well, we'll agree to disagree. Oh, I mean, top, f- top 50, that doesn't take a lot. So maybe I, I can buy that idea. Uh, but I just don't know. Like, I guess if Hopkins is out, maybe you could feel more confident starting Green after seeing what we saw this past week. But Hopkins normally is a pretty healthy guy. Obviously, didn't practice all week, was still out there. Uh, I trust his talent and his health and, and knowing what his body needs more than most other wide receivers. So I think that's where I, I get a little bit wary. We probably sure. have 10 more minutes left of the show, so I don't want to spend too much more time talking wide receivers, especially yeah. because I've been teasing tight ends so much and the fact that there might be a few that are worth picking up. Before we get there, though, it's going to work from our sponsors, Vivid Seats. Preseason football is wrapped up, and we're obviously starting the regular season right now. Live events are making a comeback, and there's no better place to be than Vivid Seats to get back to the action. Grab your NFL ticket and cheer on your favorite team from the stands. That does really feel great to say. Even better, they just launched a new and approved rewards program with free tickets for every fan. Earn rewards, uh, ticket upgrades, and perks just for shopping. If you're looking for tickets uh, to the game, your favorite artist, or that new show everyone's talking about, Vivid Seats has it all. Visit Vivid Seats or download the app today, Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Okay, the, the only reason the tight ends really became what they were was actually a what Monday evening trade that occurred between two teams that everyone really cares about a lot um Jacksonville and the Panthers right so Dan Arnold who was actually a previous uh week 2 waiver wire podcast name mentioned now goes over to a team that actually desperately needs t- tight end obviously Urban Meyer bad we don't like Urban Meyer we think he's very bad for fantasy football and, Uh Joe's very upset at him in particular but maybe Urban Meyer really likes a fast guy who can catch passes like Dan Arnold so there's that on the other side of things the Panthers moved Dan Arnold who was their primary pass catching tight end option because allegedly evidently i don't know if it's reported or if we're making inferences mr tommy tremble himself the third round pick who is only supposed to be a blocking specialist has possibly emerged as a fantasy relevant option in the panthers offense. they obviously have ian thomas who was at one point a staple of the waiver wire podcast last year i think tommy tremble and dan arnold are both relevant pickups especially if you are dealing with that quagmire of tight ends eight through 14 but am i am i crazy in assuming
2: that uh, I'd like to hear that the Dan Arnold case, uh, there, there seems to be a, a, a hive out there for him and I, I've never quite picked up on it, but it, you know, I'm, I'm not saying he's bad or anything, but what, what is the case for him exactly in your mind?
1: Huh? Urban Meyer is stupid and urban Meyer will make bad choices. A bad choice is using a tight end when you have many other capable wide receivers like Jacksonville does. He clearly needed a tight end. In fact, we saw what James O'Shaughnessy do things relevantly in week one before he got placed on IR for Jacksonville. And whether or not that was Trevor Lawrence checking things down or if that was literally all Urban Meyer can construct from an offensive perspective, there you go. I think Dan Arnold is a capable enough pass catcher, and I think from a speed perspective, which is all Urban Meyer knows from a roster, other than I like that guy. I knew him in college, Carlos Hyde. Uh, I, like That's that's it for me. So that's enough. I, th- I think that's enough from a, a low-end tight end one, maybe a tight end two if you're in those double tight end leagues out there. That makes sense to me. But in those situations, Dan Arnold's probably rostered. So in a ten team format, maybe even twelve team. I'm not really considering him, but I'm definitely keeping my eye on him. And if I have a deeper bench, I will gladly put down five or six percent of my budget to make sure I have him. In the case that Urban Meyer is bad and things work out for uh, Dan Arnold.
2: Well, I mean, crazier things happen, right? Uh, I don't, I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know one way or the other. And it's you know him being on the Jaguars only makes things a little bit like tougher to – to see one way or the other, and it doesn't feel like Urban loves using the tight end, but then again, they just traded for him, so so who knows really? Um, and then uh, you know when it comes to Tremble, Tremble was like the the guy that I thought of the of this tight end class, which was not good. I mean, other right. than Pitts and and Fry, you know, like you know, a couple of tiers down, um, but still the the second tight end in this class is like Tremble. He's obviously like a bad you-know-what on, on the football field. like That that guy will absolutely rattle your teeth. But I, I just didn't feel like he was polished enough to, to really be on the fantasy radar, especially as a rookie. But I think that this is telling uh, from from the Panthers that they were uh, willing to to move off of a guy in down Arnold that they just acquired this offseason. So that's a bit of faith. I mean, they ran a play for Tremble at the goal line on, on Thursday yeah. night, maybe punched it in for a touchdown, uh, had a 30-yard reception on top of it. You know, I, I kind of think the tremble would 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 um would draw some interest, especially if you're in in a two tight end league, anything like that, or you know something with with some deeper rosters. Um, maybe he's someone who who will start to get a little bit more mainstream traction a week from now. He's he's definitely like more of a deep cut t- type of guy, mm-hmm. but he's definitely you know I'm glad that we're throwing his name out there because I think that he could be uh, something that that you know helps people down the road this season.
1: We're at the near hour mark of the show. If for no other reason than rostering Tommy um, from a fantasy perspective, do it because you can do some fun, fancy names. Uh, This is coming from a guy that probably in 10 of my 15 leagues, I'm just Joe. That's literally my team name is just Joe. So I don't care. But more creative people out there might think, hey, Tommy Trumbull, this is fantastic. I can go ahead and do some fun things with that. Uh, But I do think, especially in a Panthers offense that looks pretty good, has a really good rest of season schedule, I think, from an offense perspective, or at least scoring offensively. I like Trumbull uh again if you are in need of a tight end and, and really getting frustrated with the Jasikis and Tanyins and uh you know whatever else you're dealing with at the bottom end that's that's at least a name worth mentioning. Um Tyler Conklin also I think he's a thing at this point. I, I, with Irv Smith out now for the year obviously was to start the year, Tyler Conklin 13 126 yards, a touchdown through through three weeks and the Vikings have a pretty good offense, not good defense. Pretty good offense, and I, you know, maybe Tyler Conklin is another one that you want to consider uh, as a low end tight end one for future season or future weeks.
2: Yeah, that was a that was a nice little dart throw in in the fishbowl for me. So I got I oh, got to nice. fire up some Conklin here.
1: Uh, are you? Let's. I mean, let's rank these tight ends because so we mentioned Dalton Schultz at the top of the hours, obviously with the Cowboys winning. Tommy Tremble, Dan Arnold, Conklin sounds like Arnold's lowest for you. But where does Tremble? fit in relation to those other two
2: guys. Uh, tremble would be above Arnold, but, um, below Conklin and below Schultz.
1: Okay. I think I'm going to have tremble number one as well. And then I'll put Dan Arnold, uh, I actually think Conklin's my number two, then Arnold, then Schultz. I really don't care about Schultz whatsoever. Right. The, the Like the sixth or seventh passing option in the Cowboys might matter, but good luck guessing each and every week mm-hmm. when that might be the case. Let's quickly touch on uh, streaming defenses. There was obviously a lot more last week. This one, not so much. I think Titans against the Jets and, and poor Zach Wilson and how bad he's looked this season are probably the top pickups, but the Titans defense is also been miserably bad. I don't know like I, I think I'll go ahead and play the Titans hoping I'm going get some picks and sacks because uh, with Becton gone for the Jets that's been not a very good offensive line. but it's not it's not as obviously the layup he is we've had some past weeks um, for streaming defenses.
2: no no so I mean it, if the if the Titans are still out there then then obviously you want to go ahead and scoop them for their for their matchup against the Jets. Uh, I'm considering making that move in a league where I invested. More than I care to uh, in the Washington football team's defense. oh no. oh so, no so yeah that that's looking like a huge mistake I have them in a oh, lot yeah. of spots so uh, I don't know what the deal is there but no bueno so uh, picking the Titans up this week to definitely to um, just maybe not give me a negative against the uh, against the Jets.
1: You could also consider starting the Cincinnati Bengals against the poorly coached Urban Meyer team because that's our newest streamer against Jacksonville this week. It is a Thursday football game, too. So we are treated with this glorious match between the Bengals and, and Jaguars. We saw the Panthers defense do pretty effectively in a similarly bad matchup last Thursday against the Texans. But I think I think this week it's going to be a little bit more challenging to really confidently rely on the Bengals defense. Right.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And we we got we got the Thursday night weirdness on on top of it. It's um, yeah, that, that game is going to be a beautiful disaster.
1: Yeah, uh, hopefully fantasy goodness for my guy, Trevor Lawrence, because if nothing happens this week, I'm dropping him everywhere, crying a whole bunch, and then admitting I'm wrong on Twitter, which is normally how my Sunday afternoons go anyway. So I guess I'll save it for Friday. This is perfect. Uh, Yeah, that does it for us. (laughs) That does it for us. The Tuesday edition of the Road to NFL podcast, sponsored by Winbet. John, thank you so much for stepping in for Jake today. Uh, We've been getting a lot of questions in the comments section about lineups and trades and everything else like that. I'll direct them all to you. What's your Twitter account? Can you all send them to John? Get all the questions. What you, there, No, 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 this no, no. Perfect, John. You're great at those things.
2: Okay, Joe. You, re-
1: you you have to. You have to. You have to at least tell the people where they can find you, you on Twitter if they do want you to answer this uh, question. Uh,
2: well, uh, you can find me on Twitter at johns underscore tailgate. That's j o h n s underscore tailgate so find me over there uh if you want uh some some questions answered that that joe doesn't get to
1: exactly and you can find me at jb fantasy sports we'll be back again next tuesday hopefully jake will be joining us and i know if you also wanted to send jake some uh fantasy questions if he's got his personal matters taken care of he'll be glad to answer them at roto jake and you know he's a huge lineup decision roster manager himself as well too so uh thanks everyone for listening and again we'll be back next week